Hello, Crossroads family and guests. We are so glad that you tuned into our podcast today. We want to let you know about our website, wherelifechanges.com. There you can find more about church events, ministries, and giving options. Check out Pastor Lee's blog at pastorlee.net. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at crcc underscore social. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wherelifechanges. We really hope that the message today would inspire and encourage you to worship passionately, serve others, and share truth. Now let's jump into the message. God is good all the time. Amen. We believe that no matter what. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about living in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Everything that God has ever done for us has been an attempt to draw us back to Him. Amen. Aren't you glad we have a God that wants to be with us, that wants to be connected to us, wants to be united with us? Amen. Y'all awake this morning? Uh, We serve a God who is not far from us, but we serve a God who wants to be near to us, wants to be close to us. And, And when he wants to be close to us, then we are filled with all that he is. And just as we prayed just now, we are filled with his peace and his grace, his mercy and his power. Amen. It has not always been like it is now. Now I can call upon the name of Jesus wherever I am, wherever I go, no matter who I'm with. And as I call upon the name of Jesus, the scripture says that he hears my prayer. Amen. Aren't you glad you have a God who hears your prayer? All you got to do is speak his name and he hears everything that you say. Amen. Give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. I think sometimes we take that for granted. There, there have been many times in the past, and I want to go back into the Old Testament, when God first appeared to man as an attempt to draw him back to himself, he gave us the law, and the law taught us how to love, and God is love, and so as he was trying to teach us how to love, it was an attempt to how to connect us back to him so that we could be one with him But the law did not work. It did not keep us connected to God. It did not keep us with him. It did not keep us united. Those who tried to follow the law, it became an obligation. It became a religion. And because it was not sincere, because it was not based in love, so they were learning how to love, but they didn't have the capacity to love. And so the law became a law that brought death. And even in the Old Testament, even though they had the Ten Commandments and all the laws of God, they still fell away from the Lord. Amen. And God would do these great miracles. And and you go back in the Old Testament, these magnificent things where uh, the waters were divided and an entire nation walked across where you see uh, all of Egypt covered in darkness or covered with gnats or covered with frogs. God would do this over and over again. There was a time in the desert where snakes were there and the snakes were biting the people and the people were dying. And God told Moses, raise up a serpent. And if anyone gets bit, they can look at the serpent and be healed. God was doing magnificent miracles. And yet even with all of that, people still didn't follow him. It didn't work. Isn't it amazing all that God can do and then we still not follow him? We still don't stay near to him? We still don't stay close to him? 
And so if you go back after the miracles and God brought prophets and these prophets had the spirit of God upon them and they would teach and they would preach and they would tell people what God was going to do and what he wasn't going to do. And you would think that would be enough that you would have somebody that could say, well, if you do this, then God's going to do that. And it would happen over and over and over again. And yet, even with that, the Bible says they killed all the prophets. Don't get any ideas looking at me. Just saying. And so you had the law and you had God and you had the prophets and yet none of this worked. And, and so then he had this system of offerings and sacrifices. And he said, if you'll give these offerings and sacrifices and there were obligations of things that you had to do, th this surely will bring us nearer to God as I understand that my sin has been forgiven as this lamb that I present to the priest, his life is taken away so my life can continue. And, and surely this would help me draw near to God as I understood the forgiveness of God, and yet the laws and the sacrifices and the offerings, none of it worked. The people still rebelled against God. And so then the Bible says that the Father sent his only begotten Son. Surely this will work. And Jesus came, God manifested in the flesh, and he began to teach, and he preached, and he healed people. And now it was a personal thing where he went and spoke to people face to face. It wasn't a big voice out in the sky. It wasn't a man in between God and humanity, but it was God himself in the flesh talking and walking, touching people, healing people. It says that the blind were able to see, the lame were able to walk, the deaf could hear. He's doing one miracle after another, feeding 5,000, feeding 4,000, and doing all kinds of things just to let the people know how much he loved them, how much God loved them. And yet in the end, they wanted to kill him. It didn't work. It was not until Christ ascended, and at one point he told the disciples, unless I go back to be with the Father, you cannot receive the counselor. You cannot receive the spirit of truth. You cannot receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He has always been. He's always been God. He's always been with God. But the full release of the Holy Spirit and all of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit did not happen until the day of Pentecost. It did not happen until Christ had returned. And so now we live in the age of the Spirit, which is different than any other time in history. God has come to us in a new in a magnificent way, unlike the law, unlike God in the, in the sky, unlike the prophets, unlike the off, unlike anything else, even unlike Christ himself, we live in a brand new day that is different. The Bible says in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit on my sons and my daughters. It don't matter if you're a man or a woman. Doesn't matter what, what you look like, doesn't matter how much money you got. He said, I am pouring out my spirit. Never has there been a time when revival was so possible. Never has there been a time when we were able to get so near to God. In the Old Testament, God was the God above me, and then Jesus became the God with us, and now he is God in me. I experienced God in me through the Holy Spirit. Amen? Praise the Lord for that. <clears throat> there is no other time ever. There will be no other time ever. This is the last days. 
We are living in the last days. This is what it's going to be like until Christ returns. We have the full manifestation of the Spirit that makes everything else different. It's different from you than it was for Moses, different for you than it was for Isaiah, different for you than it was Noah. It is different for us. We have the privilege of living in a time when we can be so connected with God. The Bible says the word is near you and in you. God knew he was going to do it all the time. Jeremiah 31, 31. It says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. That's the time we're living in right now. I will put my law in their minds. It's no longer laws on stone tablets. It's laws on the flesh of my heart. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. In the book of Hebrews, it is repeated again. It says, the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Do you understand what he's saying there? Because we have the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, this is a new time of forgiveness. This is a new time of freedom. This is a new time of power. This is a new time of grace. There has been no other time in history where we can experience God the way we have the opportunity to do right now. And my question to you today is, are you living in the Spirit? Are you living in the Spirit? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. And we're going to spend some time right here. It says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Everybody say admonish. Y'all know what admonish means? It means to rebuke. It means to tell somebody they're wrong. It means to say you are messed up. It means to say, you are dead, flat, wrong. Amen? Husbands, I want you to think about the joy that you get in your spirit when your wife comes to you and said, what's wrong with you? You're wrong. Moms, dads, think about when your teenagers come to you and say, you're wrong. Don't you love it? Doesn't it make you excited? Amen? Don't you? Nobody likes to be told when they're wrong. Nobody likes to be admonished. Nobody likes that. But look at what he says. Uh, when you are living in the Spirit, then you care for those who tell you you're wrong. When you, when you walk into a church like this, then I'm going to stand up here or some other preacher is going to stand up here and say, here's what the Word of God says and here's where you're wrong. The way you talk to your wife, the way you talk to your husband, the way you talk to your kids, the way you act, the way you think, handle your spare time, the way you do this, the way it's all wrong. You're all wrong. But because of the Holy Spirit, you're going to say, thank you, Pastor. I appreciate that. And I'm going to do it again. You're all wrong. You're going to say, that was nice. That was nice. We really appreciate it. Let's take an offering for him. That'd be great. That'd be good. Let's do that. 
You see, when you, <laughs> when you are living in the Spirit, then you receive teaching and you receive correction and you say, I want to be so close to God. I am so enamored with who he is that I want to be as near to him. And if somebody else can help me get something out of the way that is between he and God, I am all for it. Teach me all you want. Rebuke me. Admonish me. Help me. Discipline me. Whatever you want. And, and when we are living in the Spirit. We are in the Word of God and we are in the word of God and we're in the word of God and we're praying and we're saying Lord get this stuff out of me and get all the selfishness out of me get all the pride out of me get all of this junk out of me so I can fully experience you and all that you are amen when I'm out of the spirit and somebody says you are wrong I'm like well who who are you who are you to tell me nothing you're not even as old as I am I got more wisdom in the one follicle of hair right here that you got in your whole body. Who are you? You see, when you're living in the spirit, you're receiving. When you're living outside of the spirit, you rebuke the admonitions. You rebuke the rebuke. You don't listen. Well, what is that guy talking about? Who cares what he said? Who cares what the Bible said? I once sat down with a man, and, and uh, it's been many years ago, and, and we were going through the Word of God, and, um, and he was involved with uh, some inappropriate relationships. And, and I told him, I said, the Scripture is very clear that sexual relations are between a man and a woman in the confines of marriage. And he looked at me, and he said, I just don't believe that. And I said, what do you mean you don't believe? He said, I just don't believe it's true. I said, it's in the word of God. He said, I don't believe it. Just a matter of fact, when you are out of the spirit, you just flat out reject some things, not all things, but some things of the spirit. You'll say, Lord, I, I receive this because there's some things we don't mind working on. There's some things I don't mind working on. The Lord tells me to exercise, stay in shape. I don't mind that for like 20 minutes. I don't mind at all. I don't, you know. But if you tell me I got, I got to quit eating a whole bucket of Bluebell when I sit down, now we're getting personal. <laughs> now, now, you know, we got to think about things. And so it, it's not like we totally reject the Holy Spirit in all of teaching, but there's some teaching that is easy and there's some that is hard. When you're outside the Holy Spirit, you rebuke the hard stuff. And you say, I don't want to deal with that. Don't talk to me about that. Are you all with me this morning? Let's keep going to verse 13. It says, hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Just think about that. Live in peace with each other. Amen. How many of y'all are not at peace with it? No, I'm kidding. Don't raise your hand. Live at peace with one another. Whatever The Bible says, as much as it concerns you, live at peace with everyone. Amen. Did y'all hear that word? Everyone. Now, if you're in the spirit, you heard that word. If you're not in the spirit, you're like, did the mic go out? I, don't, I didn't hear what he said. <clears throat> live at peace with everyone, everybody, even the people you got in a fight with this morning. Live at peace with them. Even your ex-wife, your ex-husband, your ex, your ex, your ex, all that kind of stuff. Live at peace with all of them. When you're in the spirit, you figure out a way to live at peace with people. You learn how to forgive. You learn how to let things go, but you live at peace with one another. Amen. Let me keep reading. It says, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. When you are in the spirit, not only are you open to being 
admonished and chastised by the word of God by somebody in this position, but you are also willing to love your brother and sister to speak the truth to them so that when they're not in the right place in the spirit, you are more concerned about them than you are about yourself. And so even though you know you may upset them, you are willing to speak the truth because they need to hear it, even if they're going to be angry at you. When you are in the spirit, it is about everybody else. It's not about you. It's not about are you getting what you want? Do you feel what you want? Are you happy? It's about how can I help everybody else get closer to the Lord? And you are willing to admonish people in love. Amen? I know some of you think, I'm willing to chew anybody out right now. No, the truth in love, brothers and sisters, in love, in love. Y'all hear that? In love. Right? And also it means that we're willing to receive it. I always tell husbands, the worst thing you can do is not listen to your wife. Come on, ladies, give me an amen or something right there. Come on. Somebody had a preacher, brother. Because that's the gift that God gave you. If you go back and look at what it's supposed to mean, the woman is the advisor. She's thinking about 10,000 things, and you're thinking about one. And you think you can make a better decision? Listen, Linda, listen. <laughs> right? Allow them to speak. That doesn't mean you got to do everything that they say, but you listen. Amen? And so when you're in the Spirit, you're taking advantage of all the gifts that God has given you. Let me keep going. I'm going to get distracted. Y'all are distracting me. It says, encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Amen. I don't even have to say nothing about that. But always strive to do what is good and live for each other and for everyone else. When you're living in the Spirit, when you are connected to the Holy Spirit, then your life is not about your life. Your life is about somebody else. Your life is about how can I help them? How can I bless them? How can I love them? How can I be there for them? Amen? That, that's what it means. You see, we have to understand that, that the way I live my life, my behavior is either going to draw people to God or draw people away from God. It's either going to draw them to the love of God or make them confused about who he says he is. It's either going to help them understand the grace of God or make them think that he's some kind of judge just waiting to get them. The way I live my life, the way I respond to you is going to draw you one direction or the other. And, and, and here's the thing. When I'm old... Well, I'm getting close. Let me rephrase it. At the end of my life, I want to be able to look back and say I've helped more people find life in Christ than I have acted like a fool and pushed people away from God. Amen? Isn't that your prayer this morning? That when you get old, you can look back and say I have lived my, my life in a way that my kids wanted to be near God. I've lived my life in a way that, that I have helped people find the grace of God and the mercy of God and the love of God. That I have not taken the name of Christ in vain and said I was a Christian but then acted like a fool. I want to be able to look back and see that I've done good. Amen? Let me keep going now. First Thessalonians 5 verse 16 now. It says, Rejoice always. Amen? How many of y'all rejoiced on the way here this morning? Rejoice. Amen. That's like six of us. The rest of us were in construction. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will. 
give thanks. When you're living in the spirit, not only is your behavior different, because my behavior is all about everybody else, but when you're living in the spirit, your attitude is different. You got a different attitude. The Bible says that, that we are supposed to have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Amen? It doesn't say you're supposed to do everything he did. We are, but it also says you got to do it with his attitude. You can do the right thing and in the wrong attitude and then not have the same effect. Amen? So it's, it's when you are living in the Holy Spirit and connected with the Spirit, you have a different attitude. You, you can give thanks in all circumstances. You, you can look at a situation that is bad, that is really bad, and all the world will say, I'm so sorry you're going through that. And you can look at that and you can say, but I know that I know that I know my God is working all things together for the good. I know that in the middle of my weakness, he will become strong. I know that when I am tired, he'll help me walk. And when I can't sleep, he will give me slumber and when I'm struggling with fear he will give me peace and even in this time I will learn how to pray like I've never prayed I'll learn how to depend and so we can look at that and still give thanks and still pray and still rejoice amen because you know now when you're living without the spirit and outside the connection then everything that is happening because all this in the world is a promise of instantaneous pleasure that ends in destruction or just outright pain. That's what the world has to offer. And when you're living without the Spirit, you fall into the trap all the time. You fall into the trap. You shouldn't lose your temper, but you do. You shouldn't get drunk, but you did. You shouldn't hold a grudge, but you do. And somewhere inside of us, we think, well, that's right. And when something bad happens, we say, where's God? Where's God in this? Because we can't see because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Amen? And when you're outside the truth, all you can see is the lie and you believe it. Let me, let me keep going now. Now, if this is what it's like to live in the spirit, then this next part becomes very important. Do not quench the spirit. Amen? Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Amen. Now, if I'm going to connect with the Holy Spirit, I have to understand the nature of the Holy Spirit. So it says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Everybody say quench. Now, another word for quench here in the, in the original language is translate extinguish, extinguish. Amen. And so if you've ever had a, a fire and you see somebody extinguish it, what they are doing is they are putting foam on that fire so that the fire no longer has the fuel to burn. And so we understand then that the nature of the Holy Spirit is that of a fire. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a consuming fire. It is always burning, always trying to consume. What is it consuming? It is consuming in me the sin that is keeping me from connecting with God. It is consuming my pride. It is consuming my jealousy. It is consuming my lust. It is consuming my greed. It's consuming everything inside of me that is keeping me from God. God. And I am born with a sinful nature, and I will have a sinful nature until I arrive in heaven, which means there is a constant consumption needed in me in order to stay connected to the Holy Spirit. And so when I don't let God or the Holy Spirit consume that in me, then I'm quenching the Spirit. 
As soon as I say, Lord, I, don't talk to me about lying. I, I needed to lie. That's what I had to do. Don't even talk to me about it. I just quench the spirit. If, if I say to, to the Lord, you know, just, just a couple of looks at, at that woman over there won't hurt nobody. And the, and, and the scripture is saying to me, if you lust in your mind, then you have committed adultery. And so don't even lust in your mind. I said, well, it's not hurting anybody. I just quenched the spirit. I just put it out. I extinguished the Holy Spirit in my spirit. And so then everything that I receive from the Holy Spirit, I put it out. I put it away. If you want to receive from the Holy Spirit, he constantly has to be consuming, which means I've got to always be growing in my faith. I always got to be moving forward. I always got to be letting God do something inside of me. You cannot be a lazy Christian and be connected to the Spirit. You cannot be a lackluster going back and forth, lukewarm, sometimes this, sometimes. You can't do that and be connected to the Spirit. The Spirit is always consuming. And we have to let him do that. Amen? Y'all with me now? Praise the Lord. Let's look at verse 23 now. Now, this is the key. Do not quench the Spirit. By nature, I quench the spirit. The natural sin in me is selfishness, quenches the spirit. Y'all with me? And so here he's going to go into and he says, this is what God needs to do in you to help you not quench the spirit. Verse 23, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Everybody say sanctify. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful. Now, I want to talk about sanctify for just a minute. Sanctify means to be made holy. I cannot make myself holy. I can do good deeds. I can follow good behavior, but I can't make myself holy. The difference between a good person and holiness is the appetite. A good person may have an appetite for the wrong things, but he disciplines himself to do the right things. A sinful person, which we all are, has an appetite for the things of the flesh, but by the grace of God, we discipline ourselves by the Holy Spirit to not partake in those, but instead pursue the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, this is called consecration. This is my effort. I have the ability to do these things. I have a choice. Every time there's a temptation presented before me, I got a choice. I can choose sin or I can choose righteousness. That is the work that I do. It is my effort. I got to use the effort and the strength within my spirit to do that. That is not sanctification. That is consecration. But when I consecrate myself, and when I say, Lord, I am at a fork in the road, and I see the way of the world, and I see your way, and I want to do it the way of the world, but I choose to do it your way, that is an act of faith, because I'm not sure that it's going to act out, it's going to happen right. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't seem right. Why am I going to forgive somebody to slap me in the face and let them do it again? Why am I going to give my money to the church when I can't pay my bill? Why am I going to forgive that person who raped my daughter? Why am I going to still trust in you when I got this bad and it doesn't feel right, but I say, Lord, I, I, I know the temptations, but I'm going to choose to live in faith because the righteous shall live by faith. And so when I live by faith, God says, I'm going to honor that faith by changing you. 
so that your heart of stone becomes a heart of flesh. And instead of having an appetite for this, because you choose faith, I will change your appetite. And over time, you will crave the things of God instead of the things of the world. And no matter what the temptation that the world gives to you, you will say, I already know. I've already been there, done that. It don't work, and I don't want it anymore. God has given me a new appetite for the things of God. Amen? And that is a change inside of me. That's what sanctify me. And it says, may he sanctify. Now, one reason we don't connect with the Holy Spirit is because we don't let him sanctify us through and through. Spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. Amen? Y'all still with me? I got another hour and a half. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Let me talk about these three things. The spirit. Everybody say spirit. The Spirit, the Bible says that I must be filled with the Holy Spirit. It also says that if my spirit is inhabited by an evil spirit and I cleanse it out by the power of God but don't fill up my spirit with the good things of God, then that evil spirit will come back seven times stronger. The Spirit in me, the Spirit in you is an empty place that allows us to receive things from the spiritual world. And I can receive the things of God, and I can receive the things of hell. And I can receive those things that bring life, and I can receive those things that bring death. If, if I'm going to consecrate my spirit so that the Lord may sanctify me, then I have to operate in my spirit in such a way that I am pursuing righteousness and resisting sin. The Bible says that the eyes are like the windows of your soul. Whatever you put in front of your eyes gets down deep into your spirit. When you begin to allow your eyes to see things that elevate wickedness as if wickedness is more powerful than God, then you are seeing something that is allowing wicked spirit influence in your spirit. I'm not saying you are demon-possessed. What I'm saying is there are demons everywhere and angels everywhere. It is a spiritual realm, and they are looking to influence you. When Peter didn't like it because Jesus said he was going to die, and Peter said, well, then what am I following you for? If you're going to die, I will not let it happen. You will not die. And it came out of selfish ambition. And Jesus didn't say Peter. He said, Satan, get thee behind me, because there is a spiritual realm influencing my spirit. So if I'm going to consecrate my spirit, I need to keep things out of my vision and out of my earshot that are elevating the powers of darkness, but that's not enough because all that does is get me to the middle. Not only do I need to resist over here, I've got to pursue over here. So I need to pursue things that are going to fill my spirit with the right stuff and pursue things that are going to fill me up with the goodness of God and the holiness of God and the righteousness of God, the knowledge of God. And so it's not enough to just stop watching horror movies. I need to stop watching things that are elevating wickedness, but I need to pursue. I need to pursue the goodness of God and the spirit of God. And as I pursue him, he fills me me up. And as I am filled up with the Holy Spirit, I don't want that stuff anymore because now what's in my spirit affects my soul. It affects my body and I am sanctified through and through. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now let me talk about the soul. 
The soul is my being. It is my life. It, it, it is the essence of who I am. The Bible says that the soul must be saved. The soul has been lost to sin. It has fallen into corruption. And so because of that, it has been changed. And so now in my soul, I have selfish ambition. Take all of sin and it will come back to selfish ambition. The satanic Bible, it does not tell you to worship Satan. It simply says, do as you want. Do as thou wilt is what he wrote in the satanic Bible. And so whenever my soul has been corrupted, it makes me just want to do what I want to do and I don't care about nobody else. If I'm going to consecrate my soul, I have to resist selfish ambition. I have to resist waking up every morning and thinking about myself first. I got to resist living my life as if I'm more important than my kids or I'm more important than my wife or I'm more important than anybody else. The Bible says consider everybody else more important than you. The Bible says submit one to another. Amen? And so I have to resist that. But not only do I resist that, I have to pursue God. Now, in my soul, the way I pursue God is to undo what's been done. And so my soul has been lost because of sin. To undo that, I have to seek the forgiveness of God. I have to have a penitent heart. So when I sin and when I do something I know God don't want me to do, I repent. I don't just go and say I'm sorry to the person I did it to. I go to God and say, Lord, cleanse that out of me. I don't want to be like that no more. Get it out. And we pray for forgiveness and we pray for pain. And when sin doesn't bother us, if you sin and it doesn't bother you anymore, you need to get in the spirit and allow the spirit to reveal to you what that sin is doing and how destructive it is. And as we resist the selfish ambition and pursue a spirit of forgiveness with a penitent spirit, our soul is consecrated through and through. Amen. I know I'm going late, but thank you. The body, the body, the body, the body, the body is my vehicle by which I connect to spiritual realms. In my spirit is where I'm tempted from outside forces. In my soul is where I have the propensity, but in my body is where I carry it out. And in my body, I can feel the sensations of sin. I can feel the euphoria of drunkenness. I can feel the pleasure of illicit sex. I can feel it. I can touch it. It's in me. How do I consecrate my body? My body has a tendency to be overindulgent. My body seeks after things of the, of the flesh in order to satiate my spirit. So my spirit craves for something more. When I don't know how to find that or if I don't want to deal with the allowing God to consume in me the things that are wrong, then I will go to my body and fill it up with pleasure so that I'm satiated with that. So instead of going to God when I'm depressed, I go and eat. And, and, and instead of going to God with my anger, asking for help to forgive somebody, I go to revenge. 
And, and <clears throat> instead of saying, Lord, I want to commune with my wife in a healthy way sexually inside the marriage, instead I will try to fill my soul with the pleasures of the flesh outside of the confines of God's standard. And we get all wrapped up, and, and, and the Apostle Paul, he said this, the Apostle Paul, greatest missionary ever, greatest theologian ever, and he says, I beat my body and make it a slave so that I don't partake of all this overindulgence. And I make it a slave so that after I have preached, I don't disqualify myself from the prize. You see, if my spirit is receiving the things of the spirit, the Holy Spirit, and my soul is trying to resist selfish ambition... And then the first time somebody at work makes a proposition that is uh, unholy, then my body says, well, maybe we'll go the other direction. Or, or if my spirit is receiving the things of the spirit and my soul is trying to reject selfish ambition, and then I'm tired and I think, you know what will make me feel better? A big old bowl of bluebell. Then my body affects my soul, pushes out the Holy Spirit, opens me up for other spiritual influences that cause me to be more selfish and leads me to more sin in my flesh. Are y'all with me? You cannot be in the spirit unless you're given your spirit, your soul, and your body to him. How do you use your body? Do you use your body in a way that would suggest God's not enough? Because if I can't deal with my depression so I go eat a whole box of vanilla wafers, I'm basically saying, well, God wasn't enough to help me, so I needed some vanilla wafers. Please don't buy me vanilla wafers. I'll eat them all, okay? I'm just telling you. If, if, if I can't deal with the stress and so... I go and, and drink or get high, then I'm basically saying God wasn't enough, and so I needed to fill up the pleasures of my body to deal with the stress. How do you use your body when you sit down and eat? How do you use your body at work? Are you using it in a, as a way that's bringing glory to God? And then let me ask you about when you come into this place. And we worship to connect with the Holy Spirit. And if you don't give yourself to him spirit, soul, and body, then you're quenching the spirit. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I, I'm not saying that if you're going to worship God, everybody's going to be dancing around and hands raised. That's, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is if the Holy Spirit prompts you to praise him with your hand and you don't, then you're withholding your body. Amen? If he prompts you to raise two hands and you don't, if he prompts you when you hear something I say and, and, and you want to say amen in your spirit and you say, mm, and you think, well, what if somebody hears me? Well, what if they hear you? They might think you're spiritual. But when we resist and we hold back our body, the more I hold back my body, the more I quench the spirit. I have to be sanctified through and through. 
I want to challenge you, especially in the area of the body, because I feel like in our culture today, where we don't give ourselves to God is in our body. We don't eat right. We don't take care of our bodies. We don't exercise. It's hard for me to say that up here because I'm not the uh, best example. But God's dealing with me. Amen? But don't overeat. Don't overindulge. Don't get drunk. The Bible says do not be drunk on wine, but be high on the spirit. Amen? And when you come in here to worship, if God prompts you to dance, then you dance. Amen? David danced so much his clothes fell off. If you get that close, we'll talk to you, all right? <laughs> we'll talk to you, okay? But in the meantime, worship the Lord the way he tells you to worship. Mind, body, and soul. Amen? Amen. Let me pray with you. Y'all stand up for a minute. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, this beautiful day. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Lord, don't let us live in the age of the Spirit and never connect with him. Your word has taught us that since we have received the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. For so many of us struggle with this, and, and our faith in you has been reduced to knowledge of the word. And Lord, we value your word. We exalt it as, as the very word of God. But you have told us that you need those who worship in spirit and in truth. And so, Lord, as much as we love getting into your word and, and gathering that knowledge, remind us that you intend to have an intermingling of spirits where my spirit is filled up with yours. Your word says that you enthrone yourself on the praises of your people. Lord, it's when we are in the spirit and experience you on a different level. And, and Lord, some people here don't even know how to do that. And I pray that you would help them to not be so conscious of what people might think, that they would simply allow themselves to feel your spirit. The same way the spirit of the world gets into us at a football game or basketball game, allow us or help us to let the Holy Spirit in us the same way. The same way that we are excited to see somebody and we give them a hug and a high five and we smile, let us have that same giving of our body as we greet you in the mornings, as we greet you at church, as we say goodnight to you in the evening. And Lord, I pray that as we learn how to connect with your Holy Spirit and live in the Spirit, that we would receive so much of you. Lord, I know you have so much for each one of us that we've never experienced because we just haven't gone that deep in your Spirit. And Lord, I just pray that everybody in this building today would be overwhelmed by your goodness, your grace, and they would want to connect with you on that spiritual level. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the opportunity to minister here. 
Lord, my wife and I and our family, we consider it such a privilege and an honor. And we thank you for giving us this family. Lord, not only our church family, but Lord, our, our school and our daycare that meant so much to our kids. And I thank you for Christian teachers and Christian daycare workers. And Lord, I pray that you would bless this ministry, not for our glory, but for yours and because people need the Lord. Be with us this weekend at this Fall Fest, Lord, and it may look like a whole bunch of fun out there, but Lord, we are trying to plant seeds in families' hearts so that when they are in trouble and they're trying to find you, they'll remember this place. And God, help us to help them. Lord, bless everyone in this, fam- in this uh, church today. Bless their family. Bless their children. I pray a hedge of protection around them all. Protect our children, Lord, in the world we live in. Protect them emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically. Lord, be with those that are in crisis. Be an ever-present help and trouble to them. Lord, for those who are in despair, give them a garment of praise. And for those that are, have just about given up, renew their hope and give them a strength. And Lord, I pray that today you would fill us up with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, as we are filled up, let it be overflowing and flow into our friends and flow into our family and everywhere we go. And Lord, let us carry the light of Jesus Christ. We give you all the praise and all the glory. And everybody said together, amen, amen, amen. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you for your time and listening today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share us with your friends. Also, remember to follow us on social media. If you ever find yourself in the area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning at 1040 a.m. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.